Thank you for joining us on this week's episode of 22 Motivational Minutes with Marlo, where we connect and collaborate with experts in their industries, published authors, and fascinating people. And as a Chief Inspirational Officer, I am focused on the development of people by unearthing their values, their talent, and their self-worth, otherwise known as that self-esteem factor. People matter, self-worth matters, time matters, and when all of that aligns, everything works. In today's episode, we have Joshua Becker with us, and he is the founder of Becoming Minimalist. And I know that the audience out there today has just got so much to learn from Joshua. And so um, thank you, Joshua, for being on this episode today. We just welcome you. Well, it is my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, so people who, you know, we've got to understand who you are. Joshua is an inspiring um, blogger. And he inspires others by owning less. And um, he's a best-selling author. We're going to talk about a few of the books that Joshua has written today. He is a husband and a dad, and he inspires others to live more by owning less. And I was very fortunate to be in the audience with Joshua um, just recently. And what an empowering message that you have. And, And thank you for being with us today. Well, your uh, your words are very gracious. I appreciate that so much. Absolutely. Okay, so I'm going to turn it over. Is there? Um, I know we've got some books to talk about, but is there anything that you want to add to to what I've shared so far for our audience? Oh, anything to add to my uh, to my introduction? I get to, sure. I get to um, I get to do my own introduction. Um, no, uh, that, well, I well, you can that, have bragging I, rights. <laughs> no, I think that uh I think that sums it up pretty well. I have been um I've been blogging for a little over 8 years, but I've been uh writing and speaking full-time for uh three and a half years. Um uh several years ago kind of found the found the many of the life-giving benefits that occur when we uh, when we own less and um, began writing about that and found a lot of people drawn to the idea and, and drawn to the notion. Um, so I've had a lot of a uh, lot of exciting opportunities to um, write blogs and, and write books. I, um, I contribute to, to Forbes um, regularly. Um, we started a nonprofit organization a couple of years ago where we're building homes for orphans. So a lot of a lot of different things that we get to do, but um, most important, I try to be a faithful husband and a good father and um, do the best that I can to uh, make a positive difference in the world. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, and, and we can tell. I, I picked up on that immediately when I saw you on stage, Joshua. I mean, it oozes out of you, um, like, why you've been called, I think, to bring this message into the world. And there's a lot of directions. We only have 22 minutes. But, um, okay, first off, I, um, as we're into the spring cleaning season, because that's where this episode is going to air for people um, in the spring of the year. So can you share your story of, you know, just to kind of encapsulate what it was that brought you into becoming a minimalist? Yeah, perfect time of the year for it, because it was actually during spring cleaning that I was first introduced to the idea of minimalism. Um, I I usually mention that I didn't I didn't grow up um, particularly minimalist or um, uh, we we're just pretty typical middle class um, all growing up and all throughout my married life you know never never missing meals but never eating at the the fanciest places 
Um, and yet it seemed um, whenever I would have a, a pay increase, which there were you know a few over the over the years, um, it seemed like my lifestyle just adjusted upward with it. So uh, with each house that we bought, it got a little bit bigger, and we put a little more stuff inside of it, and um, just you know kind of chasing the the typical American dream as as people do. Um, eight years ago, while I was cleaning out my garage on a spring cleaning morning. My uh, my son was five years old, and I had uh, originally I had visions of him um, hanging out with his dad, cleaning the garage, which I thought he would enjoy for some reason. But of course, that was the last thing he wanted to do with his Saturday. And so he was in the backyard playing with his wiffle ball and wiffle ball bat, and I was working on the garage. It had been this long winter. I was in Vermont at the time, so had pulled everything out into the driveway. The project had taken hours already. Just one thing seemed to lead to another, which led to another. My son was about every 20, 30 minutes asking me to come play with him. And I just kept pushing him off and pushing him off in a minute. Give me a second. Well, my neighbor, um, she's in her 80s, and she's outside doing all of her yard work um, next door to me. And at one moment, uh, we happened across each other, and, and – um, she complained a bit briefly to me. Um, I, I think about, you know, the joys of home ownership and just all the time and effort that she had put into her day and I had put into mine already. And I said, well, you know what they say, the more stuff you own, the more your stuff owns you. And she responded with this absolutely life-changing sentence. She said, yeah, you know, that's why my daughter is a minimalist. She keeps telling me I don't need to own all this stuff. And I, I looked over my driveway where I had this pile of dirty, dusty things piled up in the driveway. It's been all morning taken care of. And I, of course, knew, right, that my possessions weren't making me happy. I just had a ton of them. Um, but out of the corner of my eye, I noticed my five-year-old son swinging alone on the swing set in the backyard and suddenly had this, this further realization. Not only was everything I owned not making me happy, but even worse – Everything I owned was actually taking me away from the very thing that did bring me happiness and purpose and fulfillment and joy in life. And this is a very different realization, not just that our possessions aren't making us happy, but our possessions are actually distracting us from the very things that do. So that began our journey and that began our process into um, owning less. Um, we it took about nine months or so, went through the house and got rid of about 60, 70% of the things that, that we didn't need. Um, it was never like we're, you know, getting rid of um, all the dishes and eating with our hands. You know, it, it was never, it was never like we had to own just 50 things. That was never what we, what we wanted to do, but there were just, you know, things in closets and drawers and um, clothes and furniture and decorations and just toys and just all this stuff uh, that we had accumulated that we didn't need to have in our life. Um, and so we began removing them and um, as a result, found more time and energy and money and focus and less stress and more calm and like everything we were looking for in life, we, we found on the other side of owning less. Wow. Wow, and there's such power in that, and I love it. Um, yeah, and I think more and more um, as millennials that are listening to this, I think they really that resonates for them. 
to be honest. I mean, I think, you know, you've written a book, you're, you've published four books, but um, so the, the people out that are listening, you wrote a book about the more of less. Can you share a little bit about that and the power that that book brings to us? Yeah, sure. The book is called The More of Less, and the subtitle is Finding the Life You Want Under Everything You Own. Mm. Um, wow. the, uh, the, the book tracks a little bit um, about my story, but um, it, it certainly goes into just more of a conversation about society and culture and, and uh, how – uh, we see 5,000 advertisements every single day, and every advertisement, you know, essentially tells us to to buy more, that we'll be happier if we do, and um, just seems to be the the world that we live in. Um, and so we we quickly, almost unintentionally, I think, begin living these lives where we're where we're constantly desiring and chasing, you know, bigger houses and nicer cars and more clothing and more money and just seems to be what we unintentionally do uh, as as society seems to steer us uh, in that direction, and yet I'm I'm pretty convinced um, that if you if you sit across the table from somebody and you ask that person what do you most want to do with your life, uh, what do you most want your life to be about, what do you most want to accomplish with your life, very few people, if any, would say. Uh, what I want most is to just own as much stuff as possible. Like that is not right. Like that is not right. what what our what our heart calls us to do. I, you know, the um, that's not what our what our soul most desires. We we talk about love and we talk about relationships and and we talk about impact and we talk about significance and we talk about. Um, making the world better for somebody else uh, that, you know, even, um, you know, reaching our fullest potential. But that these are the things that, that we most want out of life. Um, but um, unfortunately, it seems like the, uh, the world seems to hijack our passions and, and direct them towards, um, you know, whatever it is they're selling. And, um, slowly but surely, I think we just begin to accumulate more and more and more and more and more of our time and effort and energy goes to taking care of things uh, rather than uh, actually living the life that, that we most want to be living. So um, I, uh, I think the, the subtitle um, subs up pretty well um, what, the, what the book is, that, that owning less is, is not a sacrifice in any way, but owning less is actually quite empowering and, and freeing uh, to live the life that we want to be living. Absolutely. And I love how you position that, Joshua. I mean, the power that you bring in your real um, full awareness of living this lifestyle, I, I, I love it. And I know that people are listening to this right now and can resonate. And that's why you're wildly successful. I mean, you, you, your message is so pure and, um, and you're living it. And how awesome could that be? Right. I mean, that's amazing. You know, we, um, you know, we, we, as we are going through this process and getting rid of things and, and seeing all the, the benefits, all those I've mentioned, not to mention, you know, we're a better example for our kids. We're living a better life for the environment. We started to find opportunities for generosity and gratitude and contentment, like all these, all these good things that started coming out of the change that we made. And at, at one point, um, I think I'm cleaning out a bathroom with my wife and, 
And uh, I'm like, Kim, where's this been my whole life? Like, where's this whole message been um, Mm. about minimalism and and owning less? And I I caught myself mid-conversation because – um, because I'm like, I have been told these things before, right? I mean, every financial advisor and, and parent and like counselors, like, like people would tell me over and over again, you know, don't, don't get too much into consumerism and, uh, don't get so much into consumption and don't spend more than you have. And so like, there's all these messages around, uh, about, um, you know, about the emptiness of consumerism. But it, it seems so often the, the, the messages I got were negative. So it was, hey, don't overconsume because of all these bad things that could happen. You know, debt is bad and, um, and, and all those different things. And, and for some reason, that, like, that message never really stuck with me. Um, the negatives of overconsumption – but I don't ever remember anybody just flipping the coin over and saying, let's talk about not just the negatives of overconsumption, but let's have a conversation about all of the benefits of purposefully owning less. And, um, and I, so I'm, like, that's the conversation that I've always wanted to have. I've always wanted to be on that side where just, hey, just how would your life improve if you own less? You know, you can usually make a list of 10 or 15 things pretty quickly as to how your life would look better with fewer things. And so I've always tried to stay on the, the positive side of that conversation. Absolutely. And you're right. I mean, it could, it could go negative, but that's a choice. Yeah, I mean, there's no question. And, and the, the fact that you're showing the power of owning less. Um, I know our son, you know, as in college really acquired a lot of stuff. And then last summer took a journey, decided to, um, you know, put himself out in Seattle for a few months and literally had to live out of a suitcase. And I witnessed what you're talking about. And he literally went from having his own apartment with all these things to really a suitcase in a few weeks. And he came back, and your message I know resonates for him because he's one of those people that said, I don't need all of this stuff. Once you experience it, I think, um, you can. you, You do realize that less is more and that power of that message and the simplicity of life. Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I think as you begin, um, you know, trying it out and, and living it and, and then being uh, attuned, being in tune to the, um, to the benefits that are, are coming and, um, you know, some of the, some of the ways that's, you know, freeing up your life for other things um, certainly helps the, uh, helps the message to stick. Right. Okay, so is there one specific area, Joshua, that, you know, when you became a minimalist and started to adopt that um, mindset and that behavior that really, what was the first thing that showed up first for you? I'm curious. Uh, Showed up meaning? um, Like finances got better, relationships got better, your time got, what, was there anything that came first that really said, oh my goodness, yeah, the uh, the very first thing um, was uh, like calm, mm. uh, I think, um, calm and and peace. And that so the the first area I ever uh, minimized was was my car. Um, I was cleaning out the garage and kind of had this light bulb moment, and um, you know, just kind of you know got rid of some things from the garage, but mostly just put everything back. 
um, my car was out in the street because I pulled it out to clean the garage and I uh, pulled my vehicle in and I, I think maybe for the first time I was um, a little more attentive to the, the physical things around me and um, in my car I started noticing all these things that didn't didn't need to be there. Um, CDs that we never listened to, extra pairs of sunglasses and maps and receipts and pens and uh, the kid stuff in the back, stuffed animals and Happy Meal toys and books and like just all these all these things that, that didn't need to be in the car. And so I, I grabbed a bag uh, and before I even got out of the car, I literally just threw everything into the bag except for, I think, license and registration and maybe a pair of sunglasses. I just threw everything else in the bag and I, and I set it aside. Uh, the following morning, um, I, had, I went to work and I, I sat in my car and I drove to work. And when I did, my car felt very different than before. It, it was like um, calm, I guess is the right word. There, there wasn't any of the, the physical clutter. There weren't the distractions around me. Uh, it was like peaceful. It's like I could focus on my day rather than focus on the stuff. And I, I said, man, this feels great. Like I, I want this elsewhere in my life. And so we, I went to the living room and took out everything from the living room that didn't need to be there. And then the bedroom and in each space, it almost felt like, like energy could flow through the room now that there wasn't all these things just clogging up, uh, clogging up the space and the airflow or the energy movement. And so, um, so that was the first thing that I felt. And, and certainly as, um, the other things came pretty quickly, you know, as you, as you're owning less and spending less time taking care of it, you can, you can find that you, the fewer distractions, the, the money, you know, um, certainly came as we, as we began selling some of the things, um, over the long run now, over years of, of not needing to, to buy stuff and, and not wanting to buy stuff. Um, you can certainly see the, uh, you know, a significant, uh, financial uh, change that has taken place in my life as well. Absolutely. Okay, now one of the things too that I thought had great impact in your message was, you know, you're referring to your children. And I think somebody in the audience asked you a question about, you know, how do you handle holidays and how do you handle gift giving and receiving um, with a mindset that you have. And then, you know, your children in this environment, right, the consumer-based environment, how do you manage that? Tell us your story and your vantage point, Jeshra. Yeah, uh, well, kids, um, <clears throat> I have two kids. Uh, they were five and two at the time. Now they're 14 and 11. Um, and with kids, you know, a couple of things to keep in mind for people. Number one, I, I, I always tell parents, um, you know, you, uh, you don't hear a message like this. It's unfair for you to hear a message like this and go home and make your kids get rid of all their stuff. <laughs> so you uh like Truth. I, I know I like I know the toys are are cumbersome and and all the, the things in their rooms and you just want to throw it all away sometimes but uh but it is entirely unfair for you to make your kids get rid of their things until you have gotten rid of yours. So you've got to do your own work first. You got to go through your own clothes and your own closets and your own kitchen and your own arts and crafts and your own hobbies, your own garage. And you do your stuff 
Um, and then uh, your kids will be ready for you to uh, eventually come to their rooms and the toy rooms and, and do those things. Plus, you'll be far more prepared to, to help them uh, get through the process. So you got to start there. Um, for, my, for my kids, I've, I've, I think there's a lot of benefit in, in boundaries, uh, a lot of physical boundaries I, I, I try to set for them. So uh, toys, for example, when the first time we, we did this through our kids' toy room, there was a, a wall, and we said, look, you can have as many toys as you want that fit against the wall, um, but everything else you have to get rid of and kind of empower them to make those decisions. That works for clothes and artwork and collections and you know, you can put whatever you want in this drawer, but once the drawer overfills, you have to decide what you're going to keep. And that's life, right? We always have boundaries in life. Right. For, um, uh, for, for gifts, I, um, for gifts, I say four things, uh, quality over quantity, needs over want, experiences over possessions, and then provide gift lists whenever possible. So that seems to be the strategy that we use for gifts, and it seems to work pretty well. I love it. I love it. Now, how does this, like with your circle of influence, Joshua, like with your extended family or like close friends, um, have they adopted this strategy along in this, this mindset of um, minimalism? Talk to me about like, you know, what that looks like within your, those dynamics. Oh, um, yes and no. I mean, I, I think, um, I, I, I like to think that the message has, has, has influenced them in, in ways that that I don't know about, um, uh, not that not that any of them have been like we're getting rid of everything. Also, and, and going <laughs> to go live in going to go live in in a tiny house. Um, but I think that when when people understand what I'm talking about um, and and how you know how freeing it can be, I think people are at least naturally drawn to it in some way or another. I've had very few people come up to me afterwards and say I'm I'm wrong in what I'm talking about. I think most people can see the benefit of it. Um what they what they go and how much they incorporate into their life when they get back home. Um, you know, that's that's not up to me. That's that's up to them. So I certainly I, I think varying degrees of, of response to the idea, but I would um, I, I think that the, the mindset and the idea uh, at least certainly has um, impacted them in, um, in, in ways for sure. Absolutely. No, I, I think that's true. So share with us about the blog. I mean, why are you writing that blog and, and how can we access that information? Sure. The website is becomingminimalist.com. Uh, we have over one, one million readers a month that, uh, that, that read it. Um, I think this idea of owning less is, um, like I said, people are, are drawn to it and attracted to it. We just have so much stuff. Uh, we've, human beings have never owned as much stuff as we do right now. Uh, and I think when someone comes along with a, with a new approach um, and, and how owning less can improve our lives, I think people are, are, tend to be very much drawn to it. So becomingminimalist.com is the website. Um, uh, there's books, you know, the, the website's like eight and a half years old, and there's certainly archives and popular posts, and you can find a, a ton of helpful information there, and we'll probably spend all, all month uh, reading, uh, reading articles. Um, if, uh, if you kind of want the organized version of all of the material, uh, the book, the, the More of Less, um, I came out with uh, a year ago, and seems to be a pretty good summary of uh, everything I've learned and written um, over the last eight years. Absolutely. No, it's wonderful. And um, 
how many speaking events? I mean, with traveling and that kind of thing. Talk to us a little bit about that. What does that look like in your world right now? Um, it's uh, it depends. I um, I, uh, I, I uh, kind of depends a little bit on the the season that I'm in. I'm uh, in the middle of a book project right now through most of the summer, so uh, I don't have many speaking events over the course of the summer. Um, I I usually think once or twice a month I I try to get out and speak. I um, I, I like uh, I'm I'm in Phoenix, so there's a lot of local events I can speak at, and those are always kind of nice. I can be home for dinner. Um, but uh, but they're good. I, I like doing it. I, I, I like the the process of speaking, and I, I find that um, I find that there are still a lot of people in the world that aren't reading blogs, and so uh, or aren't reading at all. And so speaking is you know just another avenue and just another opportunity to uh, to reach more people who wouldn't uh, necessarily stumble upon a, a blog about minimalism. Okay. All right. Now, too, and I've been part of your Facebook chats. You do those. Is that a regular thing that you do where you invite people in to question and how you share? I've, I've seen a few of them. Um, yeah, the, uh, yeah, the Facebook group is uh, a great community, almost uh, 750,000 people on the uh, Becoming Minimalist Facebook page and very um, encouraging and um, I think inspiring just the conversations that, that take place. Um, I, I don't have any set schedule, but occasionally I just, you know, go live onto the Facebook page and um, answer any questions that people might have, or if there's something I want to talk about, I can hop in and uh, and do that. And it's just a just a fun, different way to uh, to get to interact with people. Absolutely, awesome. Well, wow. Um, I am. We're going to wrap this up here, though, Joshua. And again, I'm extremely grateful. I know that the people out there listening to this episode have learned so much. And you've shared some really great resources, but I don't want to leave without you sharing uh, that you are the founder of this nonprofit with orphans. Can you give us just a little overview and share what that is, and then how can we help support that venture with you? Sure. Uh, the Hope Effect, uh, HopeEffect.com, is a nonprofit organization that we started about a year and a half ago uh, with the hope of changing how the world cares for orphans. Um, uh, mostly in uh, in developing nations. Uh, when most people think of an orphanage, um, right, the same picture comes to mind, 20, 30, 40 kids, a, a few adults uh, running around and, and taking care of them. Um, we've actually known for decades that, that that's quite harmful um, for children, uh, that the kids that grow up in that type of environment um, fall behind in almost every stage of human development. Um, and the statistics are pretty um, pretty sad, really. It's like 70 to 80% of kids that um, age out of a traditional orphanage uh, end up homeless, incarcerated, or in prostitution uh, just because um, because as kids are growing up in that environment, they just don't get the attention and affection that you would in a, in a normal family, uh, in a typical family setting. And so, um, so our, our, our desire is, well, so what we're doing is we build, um, we build smaller homes on like a campus uh, setting. Uh, each home has two parents and then six, um, four to eight actually, four to eight orphans that live uh, with those two parents. And in that way, it, it functions just like a, a family would. Um, so they get uh, attention and affection that they wouldn't a family. They get to see a picture of what a family looks like and, and how it functions. 
So, um, so that's the work that we're doing. We have a, a home in Honduras that we built. Um, we just uh, purchased some land, uh, a border town in Mexico. Uh, the U.S.-Mexico border has been in the news a bit lately, um, so we're, we're trying to be proactive, and so we're, um, um, we're building a, a campus uh, right uh, on a, a town of about 200,000 on the Mexico side of the Arizona border. So, um, yeah, lots of ways to help. Uh, HopeEffect.com, obviously, you can, you can donate. We're entering a... Um, uh, we have the 100% model, so 100% of public donations go directly to uh, orphan care work, and then we fund our uh, administrative expenses through private um, donations, both from individuals and, uh, and, and, um, and companies. And we're entering a, a new phase where our, our public donations uh, are um, outpacing our private administrative needs. And so... Um, I would just mention, obviously, anyone can donate to the work that we're doing, but we're, um, we're looking for some people to partner with us, um, covering some of the administrative needs so that we can keep the 100% the model of um, public donations going forward. So I'd, I'd love to talk to anyone that would be interested in um, helping us in that way. Absolutely. Wow. What a man. <laughs> I love it. I um you know, we're recording this on Good Friday as we go into a blessed holiday, you know, and I just, your message is just resonating for me personally, and I know for the people out there listening, so thank you for this. So to learn more about Joshua Becker, you can simply visit our website at marlohiggins.com, where you can learn how to obtain his books, connect to his resources, and add Joshua to your circle of influence. And uh, we just want to thank you for joining us today, and we invite you to share this podcast with others and thank you in advance for that partnership. So, Joshua, thank you again for your time today, and, um, wow. and we look forward to staying connected. I appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Absolutely. This is Marlo Higgins, your host and Chief Inspirational Officer. Have a great day. Great.